when Team Canada looked down and out in the biggest hockey series in this country's history, Paul Henderson rose to the occasion and bailed his club out. Joe Tilly's great Canadian sports show, coming up! Welcome to the program. We are very excited to have today's guest on the show. He was born in Kincardine, Ontario, a blazing fast left winger. He won the Memorial Cup in Hamilton. He played 19 seasons in the NHL and the WHA, a two-time NHL All-Star. He scored 30 or more goals four times. He played 1,067 major pro games, 376 goals, 768 points. He is a member of the International Ice Hockey Hall of Fame, a member of the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame, a member of the Order of Ontario, member of the Order of Canada. He scored the biggest goal in Canadian sports history. Ladies and gentlemen, pleased to have on the program, Paul Henderson. Paul, welcome. Good to be here. So tell us about uh, growing up in Kincardine and uh, making your way to the NHL. How does that happen? Well, I actually... uh was born on a sleigh out in Lake Huron. Uh, didn't quite make it to the King Carden Hospital. That's where we we're heading. But basically grew up in Lucknow, Ontario, uh, which is about 15 miles from uh, King Carden. We didn't have artificial ice uh, back then and played most of my hockey on ponds and on the, on the road. They didn't sand them back then. And so most of my hockey was with a pair of boots on because I never got a pair of skates till I was nine. Holy cow. I mean, compare that to today's kids who are skating when they're two or three years old. That's that's unbelievable. So I like that story, Paul, because I, I read about it. You you were born actually on a sleigh. Your mother is on her way to Kincardine to to the hospital to, to have you, but uh, didn't quite make it. Tell us about that. Well, my dad had gone overseas in September of uh, 42. And uh, mother was pregnant, obviously. And this was January 28, 1942. And about uh, one o'clock in the morning, my mother went, she was staying out at the farm, uh, out, uh, just below about 10 miles south of uh, King Carden. And my grandfather and grandmother uh, hitched up a team of horses. The road had a terrible storm, and the roads were all closed. So they went out on Lake Huron and went wow. up the ice of my grandfather. My grandmother told me later she was petrified that they were going to go through the ice. And uh, anyway, I uh, was born before we got to the hospital. But, you know, the neat thing about it is the nurse that took me in my arms, she said I was almost blue and it covered with, you know, blood and straw because I was, she was under a blanket. On her 90th birthday, uh, I met her for the first time. And she says, I know all about you, Paul. I gave you your first bath. Uh, uh, oh, <laughs> wow. So, so, so this was later on when you got the chance to meet her after all the, you know, the Team Canada yeah. stuff and everything else. She, she got to say, I welcomed him at the hospital and cleaned him off and gave him his first, first bath. That's pretty, <laughs> pretty awesome. It was her 90th birthday, actually. 
And her name was wow. Dixie Bell. She never married. She was a, a nurse her whole life. Loved it, but never got married. Wow. Uh, that's such a cool story. So you didn't, and your dad was overseas and he wasn't back until after the war, war ended. So that's when you get a chance to meet him. Uh, and, uh, but you're, you're, you know, you talk about skating on the ponds and at one time, the, what I, what, the way I understand it is that you were going to be a teacher. That was kind of the goal you'd set for yourself, but your dad talked you into giving hockey a shot. Tell us about that. Well, I was actually playing, uh, Hamilton. By this time, I'd gone. To, I played junior in Hamilton, and uh, we'd actually won the Memorial Cup. And uh, I, I had met my future wife by this time, and we knew we were going to get married. But I grew up very poor, and I was petrified of being poor. And uh, my parents didn't have any money, and I knew I was going to have to put myself through university. And so I talked to Eleanor, who has been my wife for fifty some years now. And I said, you know, I think that we're going to take the safe route. I'll get a job. And she said, well, she would too. And I'll, uh, and I'll go to university and get a degree and we'll make a life for ourselves. And so I actually uh, phoned the Detroit Red Wings and told them I was not going to come back for my final year of, uh, of junior. And I was going to go to university, get a job and go to university. And I knew I was going to have to tell my dad. So I went back up to Lucknow. We are in Hamilton at that time, and and my dad was a big aggressive man, uh, and uh, I was a little <laughs> intimidated by him, and I I I was worried worried about telling him this, but anyway, he said to me, "You know, Paul, I'm not sure you're making a bad decision, but the thing that worries me most of all, he says, every night, every Saturday night when you see those guys skate out on the ice, you're going to say to yourself, I wonder if I could have made it." And he said, I know you, Paul. He says, I think you can make it. And I think you know you can make it also. But he says, I think it will drive you crazy. And so I thought about that. And I went back to my now wife, Eleanor. And I said, you know, Eleanor, this is what dad said to me. And she said the same thing. Paul, I think you're right. You've told me we've been going together all these years. And you've told me I'm going to marry an NHL hockey player. And, I, and so dad says, why don't you? Play your last year, give it your best shot, try two years. If you can't make the NHL in two years, then you still have time to go to university. So I thought that was a good idea. But the thing about it, I really got, I went back for my last year and I really got serious about it and um, ended up leading the league in scoring, first all star. And then fortunately for me, I was in, I made the Detroit Weddings the next year and it's all history now. Yeah, the next year when uh, when you did go back to the Junior Wings after winning the Memorial Cup, which was fantastic. Tell us about that experience, first of all, winning the Cup in in, 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 uh, in Hamilton. Well, it was, a, it was a big deal. We ended up in fourth place uh, that year uh, because the, the Esposito and Hull and all the guys in, in uh, St. Catharines, they were the best team. They were in first. Montreal Canadiens were in second place. and. Uh, uh, then uh, Niagara Falls, and then us. Well, we had to play St. Catharines, one place four, two place three. And the team that we couldn't beat all year, we never beat the Montreal Canadiens, but the other teams we played well. But, and we put uh, St. Catharines out in, uh, in, in uh, six games. And then Niagara Falls put the, the Canadians out. And we own Niagara wow. Falls. We, we beat them. <laughs> 
took them out. And we, we never went past five. We played six rounds. And we never went to six games a game. We just, we had, everybody was in all their, you know, the better players were all healthy. And we, we came together. And Eddie Bush uh, was the right coach at the right time. And so, yeah, well, a great thrill. A great thrill. Still one of the great thrills of my hockey career, winning that uh, Memorial Cup. Yeah, my, if I'm not mistaken, I think you might have beaten the Edmonton Oil Kings in, in, in the finals. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, that was their other yeah. uh, Detroit prime team also. And they they came down here and we took them out in five. Awesome. Yeah. I was an Edmonton boy. I was a little sad about that at the time, but, uh, you know, it just worked out okay for you. <laughs> and like I say, 49 goals in 48 games the following year. You got the call up with the Red Wings in 1964. Uh, you helped re- lead them to the uh, Stanley Cup final that season. And on April 23rd, 1964, uh, facing the Leafs in the final series, game six, up 3-2 in the series, Pitt Martin is going to spring you for a breakaway. We've got video here that uh, Paul Pasco has provided for us and uh, here off the faceoff in, in the lease zone. But uh, I'm going to tell you something. We get an idea of what, what kind of wheels that Paul Henderson has. This is Pitt Martin springing you for the breakaway in behind the defense. And there you go, beating the great Johnny Bauer on the breakaway. That tied the game at one at the time. Do you recall that moment? Oh, sure. Remember like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. And that, uh, of course, later in the game, um, uh, some uh, your future teammate, Bobby Bond, who had scored the overtime winner on a broken ankle. Like, uh, you know, when, when you guys went ahead in that game and then and then the Leafs came back and tied it, and then the, uh, sorry, Bond scored this goal in overtime to win it for the Leafs. Uh, Tell us what it was like for you back then, and what was, uh, and and later on now that you've had a chance to sort of uh, get to know Bobby and 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 uh, all the all the scenario around that. Tell us about what what your thoughts were back then. <laughs> well, you know, and Bond now. did not, Bond did not have a great slap shot, right? and you know, he was injured. <laughs> but but right. Bill Gadsby, Bill Gadsby, one of the best defensemen ever played the game, Hall of Famer stick up and try to knock it down and he, and he deflected it by Crozier. If he just let the bloody thing go, Crozier would have caught it. It wasn't that hard a shot at all. Right. And that, of course, uh, that was the end of it, unfortunately. Yeah, because at the time, I mean, you guys are up uh, three games to two. You had a chance to, to wrap yeah. it up right there and, and uh, you know, and then the, that, that goal goes in. Of course, the rest is history. It, it sort of Made made a legendary man out of Bobby Bond, didn't it? Scoring a, a goal like that yes. on a broken ankle. Yeah, he's given yeah. me that a few times over the years. Yeah, I guess he has. Well, eventually you made your way to the Leafs. Uh, what was it like being part of that huge swap? There was you uh, along with Norm Ullman and Floyd Smith, who would become the Leafs GM at one point, uh, for Frank Mahovlich, Gary Unger, and Pete Stemkowski. Very big trade. Well, I was devastated. Actually, in Detroit, about uh, six weeks earlier, they said there was three untouchables in Detroit. This was an article in the paper that were Gordy Howe, Norm Ullman, and Paul Henderson. And I, and I just, you know, in young and I, I'll play my whole career in Detroit, and I loved it. You know, Gordy Howe, <laughs> you know, we just a wonderful team. But anyway, I woke up one morning. And Audrey McGregor, Bruce McGregor's wife, 
said, Paul, I just heard on the radio that you, Norm Ullman, and uh, Floyd Smith have been traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that's the first time. And I was just, I, you know, and, and you know, uh, Joe, I never, I, I never felt the, uh, that kind of angst before, I guess. No one had ever rejected. I never felt rejection. And that's mm -hmm. all I could think about. Oh, my God, they didn't want me anymore. As it turned out, it was one of the best things ever happened to me. But at that time, I was devastated. Really, really was. But, the, you know, like everything in life, things that turn out you think are terrible turn out to be a blessing. And they were a real blessing until Ballard got a hold of the team. And then things went all to rat. Right. Thank goodness WHA was around. <laughs> Well, that that's right. We're gonna we're gonna get to that for sure as we go chronologically here. But uh, so you're got a chance, as as you mentioned, you know, you feel down because uh, you know you the team sort of you feel like the team one team has given up on you. But on the other side of the coin, there you've got a team that really wanted you, and, and was willing to part with some big pieces to get you guys. And, and uh, you know, and, and as it turned out, the Leafs, uh, you know. Uh, they, they did pretty well for a while until things fell apart. But you got a chance to play with your longtime line mates, Ronnie Ellis and, and Norm Ullman. Uh, really good year in 71-72. You were an all-star in that season. Uh, you and Ronnie got an invitation to, to join Team Canada uh, for the Summit Series in 1972 against the Soviet, uh, Soviet Union. Uh, tell us about that experience. And there he is. The man of the hour. Uh, tell us about that experience being introduced here to team, to uh, as, as a as a person who's going to be trying out for Team Canada, I think at the time. But uh, you know, being introduced along with uh, your linemate Ronnie and 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 the rest of the folks here. Uh, tell us about that seventy one seventy two series and and getting a chance to play for Team Canada. Well, I think anybody that any athlete would love to put on the Team Canada sweater, uh, represent your country. And it used to bug me that we couldn't, uh, you know, pros were not allowed to go to the Olympics and the Russians were winning all the time. And it, most of us said, yeah, yeah, you play the big boys and we'll take care of that. And so, you know, when they came out, like if they'd have chose, chosen 22, 23 players, I would not have been on the team. But we had to have a training camp, had to get in shape and everything like that. And so they ended up... Uh, uh, Naming uh, seven left wingers, seven right wingers, and center icemen, and and we really thought that they would invite our whole line. I really thought Normie and Normie and I could we could play with anybody, and we were you know we were good offensive players, but we we're also very responsible defensive players. And uh, so, but anyway, we put Bobby Clark together yeah. with Ronnie and I at the start of the season, and after the first practice, we went out. And it had a couple of pops. I think Labatt's made them. But anyway, they're Molson. And anyway, I, I, I said to them, let's really show these guys we can play hockey. I really would like to play in Toronto. My dad died uh, uh, in 68. And I said, you know, I'm going to bring my mom down. And it would be great. And, of course, Ronnie wanted also. And as it turns out, you didn't have to say much to Bobby Clark in terms of getting serious. <laughs> and so when we went to training camp, I mean, we were, at, at best, we were fifth line. At worst, we were seventh line. And so we went with a, a determination to get into the Toronto game. And uh, the old saying, you never know when opportunity is going to knock, but the secret is to be ready. 
And so we we worked our buns off. And, tr- and three of us came to camp in pretty good shape, a lot more better shape than a lot of people. And we were, Ronnie and I were really, really fortunate that we got him because he was just a younger normal, but a, a lot more aggressive, but a really good playmaker and a really good forechecker. <clears throat> so we didn't have that much of adjustment. <clears throat> and then as tam- time went on, uh, we played the first the red-white game, uh, you know, getting us some game. And our side won 5-3. I got two of the goals, and Clarky got one, and we had to play against Esposito's line. And it became obviously to us and everyone, we were one of the better lines in camp. And, and so as time went on, we knew we were going to play in Montreal, and we did play in Montreal. In fact, we were the only line that played all eight games. And even in Montreal, Bobby and I scored, and we only had one goal scored against us near the end of the game. And so we put that hard work we put in, uh, sure paid off, but we were fortunate too to have, because a lot of guys just couldn't find the right combination, uh, you know, playing with other people. And then, of course, one didn't like each other. And so trying to get along was right. really difficult. And so anyway, it, it's all in the history books now, and I'm not changing a bit of it. <laughs> you know what? It is amazing. You guys click so well, but it does make sense. I mean, you you talk about like uh, success is when uh, preparation meets opportunity. You guys were prepared. The opportunity presented itself, and uh, and all the stars aligned. But you know what? You when you talk about you and, and and Ronnie, you know, and Clark being the great playmaker that he was, you guys have well for sure. You guys were the fastest guys in the team, hands down. And having a guy like that, like Clark, he's uh, there to set you guys up. Uh, that you know that uh, that that resulted in in a, in a probably a great opportunity, a great situation for you. Um, but you know, heading into that season or heading into that series, a lot of people, you know, there were there were there were different different camps, of course. But most of the, the prevailing idea was that. Team Canada finally getting a chance for the pros to play against the, you know, the, the, the Soviets where, you know, Canada was going to show these guys uh, a thing or two, and we're, we're going to probably spank them pretty hard. Uh, a lot was kind of the prevailing notion. Uh, was that the kind of notion you had going into the series? Well, you know, we knew they were good hockey players, but it's just like in the NHL today, first place team plays a 20th place team. They're probably going to win most of those games. And I, I really felt that if, you know, if their goaltenders really had a great game and ours had an off night, they might win a game. But when you look at the firepower, you start with Cornway, Esposito, Mahovlich, and then you got Hatfield, uh, Gilbert, and Rattel, and you know, you got Perot and Martin. And, and so in our defense was just outstanding. And so uh, I just didn't. I I thought that you know if the games would be close, but uh, we would we would you know we were just we would overpower them probably. Well, and and then you're you're heading to to uh, Russia after uh, the first four games in Canada, and you guys are down and almost in a desperate situation. And then uh, Phil Esposito had that speech at uh, in Vancouver. Uh, that seemed to rally and galvanize the nation a little bit in this. Did it galvanize the team as well? Well, we didn't hear it. Like even Esposito didn't see it. The dumbest thing he ever did was not show it to us. But but Esposito, Esposito was our leader. We had four captains, but he was on and off the ice. He was a, he was a 
Uh, it, well, he he's unbelievable. At that time, I, and I really believe he was the best forward in all of hockey uh, back in 72. And uh, he just uh, put the team on his back. But Johnny Esau, you got to give him a lot of credit. He didn't go on. Yeah. And uh, people saw that. And I think it would have motivated us a lot better if we'd ever seen it. But Phil come in. I happened to be dressing beside him that game. And he said, I gave it to the Canadians out there. And so, well, you know, I know Phil, and but I had no idea the way he said it. But, but I, I loved it when I saw the event. Yeah. Perspiration running out, and we're, we're disappointed, and we're trying the best, and it's not fair, and we're representing our country. And, and that's when the people woke up. And I'll tell you right now, Joe, without those 3,000 Canadians coming to Moscow, I don't think we would have ever won that series. They were incredible. We lose the first game, played the third period almost shorthanded because of some bad goaltending. But anyway, we had to listen to the national anthem after the game. And so we're skating off the ice, and these 3,000 Canadians gave us a standing ovation. It was incredible. I can still remember. And then it was a miserable night in Moscow. Probably an hour later, we get back to the hotel, and there was at least 1,000 of these Canadians lined up we got off the bus, and they went crazy again. Just went, I mean, applauding, cheering. The fact that most of them were hammered out of their mind is beside the point. <laughs> right. But they sang the Canadian National Anthem. The last three games, it's never been sung with more passion. I'm standing there, and I actually goosebumps on my arm. And they got involved in that. Thank goodness they were there because we, you know, we were down. And now we got to win the last three games. And I, I remember saying to Eleanor after we got back to the hotel, if we don't win the last three games, we're going to be known as the biggest losers in the history of Canadian hockey. And I think that's everybody felt the same way. And so, but Harry Sinden, and I remember we're we're going down before the the sixth game. He came in and had a little talk, and he said, guys. Don't even think about the next two games. We just got to win this because he says we actually outplayed them for the first time. And I think we can win this game. So you guys go out there and win this game. If you win this one, we'll look at game seven and then game eight. And that's exactly what happened. Well, as a team, you guys, uh, you know, you, you they were at an advantage because they'd been playing together for a long, long time, where you guys were just thrown together at the last minute. So the fact that you were gelling and you were coming together, and that was evident in game five. But in it, you know, we talk about the goals you scored in game six, seven, and eight. But back in game five, there was an incident in game five, and, and you were flying into the Soviet zone. Uh, you get tripped up, crashed heavily into the end, end boards. Here's uh, here's the call. And went in Now you were looked in pretty rough shape there, and, and and you know it was later said that uh, uh, that helmet saved you. Uh, do you agree with that fact that the, you know without that helmet you're you're not going to survive that crash? Oh, well, I would have had a fa cap uh, fractured skull for sure. I mean, I had a concussion. Jim Murray, the doctor, they finally got me off there and and knocked me on the table, and he said, "Examine me." He says, "Paul, you got a concussion." You cannot now. Just look at the back of my head here. This under. What's what's this? 
she tripped me and I was going so fast right. I couldn't do anything. Watch watch the back of my head. Oh. And I was like I didn't have clue. And the really neat thing about it, Joe, my wife Ellen is just a great woman. And when I went down and she get up, get up. She, I'm not <laughs> standing in my hotel room by myself. Get up. <laughs> she was petrified that she might have to stay in the in the hotel room by herself. But anyway, Harry Sinden come in and, and Jim Burry, they were talking and he said, he's got a concussion. He cannot play. And I said to Harry, don't do this to me. Please, please let me, I got a pounding headache, but let me get myself straightened here. And, and But please let me come back. And he said, well, Paul, we sure as hell need you. And if you want to come back, I'm not going to stop you. And I mean, that's the reason I'm an idiot today. <laughs> but yeah. I would have never been today. I'd have never been allowed back on the ice. They got you know protocols for that. But and it took me about fifteen minutes to get myself straightened around. I had a pounding headache, but I went back and gosh, I had a breakaway. I think it was the first shift after I come back and I blew it through uh, Trechiak's legs and uh, and finished it off. And uh, you know, <laughs> just so fortunate. Like when you look back at this, it's. I, I just can't believe how fortunate and lucky I have been. Well, the, the tea leaves came together, didn't they? So uh, here's the uh, here's that goal that you're talking about. You return to the game, and Bobby Clark is going to spring you. And, and this is after that concussion. Here we go. There you well, go. about my game was... My strengths were I could shoot the puck. I was score, and that larger surface over there gave me a lot more room. But you see, like a pro, he would go end to end. And the only time I ever went end to end in my life was a goal I scored in the seventh game. But you play with better players, they'll get the puck to you. And so this was, uh, you know, I was very, very confident, that especially the guys I was playing with and the large ice surface, because I could hurt you with my speed. You know, um, you talked about the effect of that game and afterwards the 3,000 people. Uh, your longtime pal, Ronnie Ellis, uh, was on the show a while back, and he said that really was the turning point. And he kind of reiterated what you said earlier, but let's have a listen to what Ronnie said about that, uh, that moment. We all felt we played extremely well. We controlled the majority of that game. We made mistakes for about five minutes, and the Russians are known to score in bunches, and they, they did and they end up winning that game. And I'll say this too, Joe, as we skated off the ice, there were 3,000 Canadian fans that made the trip. And they just so happened to be at the end of the ice where we skated off. And they stood up and gave us a standing ovation. They knew we played well. And they, I think they just wanted to make sure we understood that they're still with us, they're still behind us, but now, my friend Joe, we had to win the last three games. And that you did. Any doubt in your mind after having that concussion that you were going to come back and play in game six? Well, I, I didn't know whether they were going to let me or not. I mean, Jim, uh, you know, said I can't play. And so, but Harry, I guess he had to make a decision. And thank goodness he made the decision he did. Well, not only did you play, but once again, you scored a huge goal. This, uh, Picking off an errant pass in the in the neutral zone, 
And here we go. And you're going to uh, step over the line. And as Foster Hewitt would say, he shoots. He scores. What I was trying to do you know, is just use the defenseman for a, a screen. And so I, I looked up and I was, and I, unfortunately, I, I, I wanted to shoot it right along the ice and just inside, inside the post if I could. And so I think that, that Trechak was screened. Look at here. And I fired this thing. Right. And he, I don't think he saw it till it was almost by him, but it was a perfect shot. And, you know, one thing I did have, a, I had a great, uh, I could snap it. I, in fact, right. you know, that was not a big slap shot. Took it back about three feet and nailed it. You know, that was a goal scorer's goal, Paul. No doubt about that. <laughs> and, and using the screen, setting it up nicely. I like that, you know, there's a bit of an errant pass, that backhand lazy pass by the, by the Russian defender, and uh, and you picked that shot off, and you scored, and that was a big goal. This it was a game-winning goal in, in game number six, uh, kept Canada's chances alive in a three-two victory, which brings us to game seven. Now you're tied at three late in the game, and this is of course another must-win scenario. Canada has to win this game to have any chance of winning at all. This was just was a beauty. This is just over two minutes late left in the game, and this is a face-off once again in the Team Canada zone. And uh, Henderson's going to get control of the puck. And we watch him go. Here we go. That's the first time I've ever beaten four people in my life. <laughs> four Russians. Like a hot knife through butter. <laughs> and beating the best goalie on the planet. I mean, that's pretty That's pretty awesome. How, what did that, what oh, would that man. feel like? Well, I tell you what... It, you know, the sad part, I scored seven goals. Six of them were really nice goals. <clears throat> the only garbage goal was the last one. And, uh, you know, Foster, Henderson makes a wild stab forward and falls. Now, yeah. everybody wants <laughs> to hear that, don't they? <laughs> but then, <clears throat> and, you know, I said to Eleanor after the game, Eleanor, I will probably never score a bigger goal in my life. Because if I hadn't scored that goal, the last game means nothing. And two right. days later, for a garbage goal, and hard, you know, you got to be a real hockey fan to know who remember that seventh goal. But the last, even for a garbage goal, but was, you know, when it was voted the sports moment of the last century, I'm not going to change anything. <laughs> well, as you say, I mean, you scored a lot of beauties on the way to that, that uh, to the garbage goal, but listen. And once again, a goal scorer has got to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. So uh, that you, you later called that goal in Game 7 uh, your most satisfying goal ever. Are you still feeling that way? Well, obviously. I mean, um, you know, the magnitude of it. I had no idea the magnitude of it uh, when I scored. Well, I knew it was a big goal. I mean, I'm not. And, uh, but the thing that it's just seemed to get bigger as the years have gone by. Like, I get fan mail all the time. And so, and people that meet me for the first time, they got to tell me where they were. Uh, uh -huh. Yesterday, I was up playing the National uh, Club. A friend of mine invited me up, and they had this little do. And uh, there was four guys there wanted a picture with me. Oh, you were one of my favorite players. And in 72, we went crazy. And that was yesterday. And so 50 years later, the, you know, it's, it's still front and center in a lot of hockey fans' lives. Well, for those of us who are alive, uh, it's one of those things uh, who were alive back then. 
it's one of those moments that that just uh, it was just it, it, it etched in our minds forever. It's like the greatest moment in Canadian history. So we're going to get to that that the, the game winner. So okay, you score the game winner in game six. You score the game winner in game seven. Tied the series. The series is tied, all tied up. Game eight coming up. If the game had have ended in a five-five tie, which it was late in the game, the Russians were going to claim victory because they had scored more goals. Were you aware of that at the time? I was very aware of it. Uh, they told us that, and and and, and here's uh, our line was out in the ice. Clarky Ellis and I, and we came off with about a minute left in the game, and uh, Harry sent out Esposito, Cornway, and Peter Mohavlich. He started taking over from Frank playing in that line. And mm -hmm. uh, so, but then he, uh, uh, Simon come down and he looked at us and he said, you guys, if they come off, you guys are up. You finish it off. So we knew we were up. And we're sitting on the bench and Joe, I, I, I can't even explain it to this day. About the one minute mark, I, I got to get on the ice. We got to win this game. <laughs> we can lose this game. And I did something, Joe, I never did before. I never did it again. I started yelling at Peter Mohavich, the left winger, to come off the ice. And now, can you imagine I do that? Peter comes off and, and the Russians go down and score. I See, I'd be living in Siberia today. But there's, <laughs> you know, there's risk rewards in life. And, and it, it was just, I have to get on the ice. And the other thing, Joe, when I scored that goal and we get back to the bench, Harry said, he said to us, you guys finish it off. And I said, Harry, I can't do it. I am done. I would be petrified to play the last 34 seconds. You put somebody else out there. I am done. And I was, I, I knew, I, I was petrified to play that. Can you believe that? I just scored that goal. And I didn't want to play the last, I knew myself. And I, I would say to you, after we got back into our dressing room, we weren't jumping around. We were just sitting back in our chairs, having a beer. And it was probably a half an hour before I took my skates off. We were just utterly, physically, emotionally drained. But that's what it took, eh? Every ounce of energy you had to, to get that done. And isn't that crazy? Like, never before, never after did you ever call for a player to come off the ice and, and replace him. But there's something inside you. That, that realized that, that that was it. Well, you know, I can't even explain it to this day. Can't even explain it. And, and Frank was sitting beside me. He said, what are you doing? And I did, <laughs> just kept yelling. And so anyway. Well, Vic, let's, let's have a listen to that. Let's have a listen to that call one more time. Well, see, I, I yelled at Cornway. When I went over the boards, Cornway had it, and I'm a right-hand shot. And I was hoping that he would just, I could one-time it, you know? But it was too, right. uh, too far in front of me. And uh, when I fell behind the, I, uh, I, I said, I still got time, went through the whole team. And then I got up, I got up. Uh, in fact, coaches have told me, they've used this to show people, get back up as soon as, you know. Never give stay up. Down, yep. get, never give up. So anyway, I panicked, actually. I saw Phil. Now, he should have covered this. It wasn't a hard shot, but I panicked. Oh, my God. And, and so I tried to put it right along the ice, and he threw out his pad and got it. And fortunate for me, it came right back, and then I had about a foot of empty space and put it in. And, you know, Joe, here's the other thing. When that puck went across the line, 
my father had died in 1968. And I said out loud, and I'd never thought of my dad, that whole series. It went across the, the line, and I said out loud, dad would have loved this one. And then, of course, mm -hmm. jumped into Cornway's arms, almost broke his back, and uh, been riding it now for 50 years. <laughs> well, it was something else. It really was. And so um, it was, you know, in, in Russia, there's you and 3,000 fans uh, celebrating. But back home, a whole a whole nation is celebrating. Did you have any idea that it was as big a deal as it was back here? No, no idea, no idea. Well, you know, um, when you, you, the day after you uh, you scored that goal back home here in Canada, uh, did you know that your daughters were being interviewed at the time, Jennifer, Jill, and Heather? Uh, let Let's have a listen. Heather, what kind of a day did you have in school today? Well, an okay day. What was all the talk about today? Can't hear the audio, Vic. Well, how my dad played so good and how he got the last score. Did you really think they were going to win all the time yesterday? Can you hear it, Paul? No, I didn't. Who scored that last goal, uh, Jennifer? Paul Hedgeson. Okay, Vic, let's play this again with, uh, with the audio so we can hear it. Did you, uh... Okay, yeah, Vic's just got to cue it, re-cue it up. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I just we will. Uh, so, okay. well, Daryl Sittler, Daryl and uh, Daryl and Wendy Sittler offered to uh, uh, come uh, move into our house and take uh, take care of our children uh, while we were away. And, and the, you know, the girls were Heather and I think they were grade three and grade one at the time, and Jilly was just a, our youngest daughter was only two. And so they actually moved into our house and and uh, and took care of the kids. And so uh, it's funny to look at that now because we've got the girls are all married and we've got uh, seven grandchildren and now we've got eight great grandchildren. Oh my! And, uh, yeah, and very fortunate. And Jilly, the youngest one there, her daughter, her nineteen-year-old daughter, was just down running for the. Uh, in, she was in uh, Columbia representing the under uh, 20 women in the 100 and 200. And uh, she went down there. She was 54th in the world, and she came back, and she's now, I think, 20th in the world in the 100 and the uh, 200. So we got some wow. athletes in my – and her oldest boy, Alton, uh, plays for Kinesis over in Buffalo. He's on a scholarship over there, and he was rookie of the year last year, and it's going back to – Looking forward to having another great year now. So we got some pretty good athletes in the family. In, in hockey or basketball? Kinesis? Yeah, ha hockey. Oh yeah, hockey. hockey he played for the hockey. Oakland. Uh, he played for the Oakville Blades for years. Okay, and, uh, right. So well, we're, we're, we're going to be Vic. Vic has got Go that ahead. clip ready now. Let's have a listen. Heather, okay, Jennifer, yeah. and Jill had this to say about the big game. Heather, what kind of a day did you have in school today? Okay day. What was all the talk about today? Well, how my dad played so good and how he got the last score. Did you really think they were going to win all the time yesterday? No, I didn't. Who scored that last goal, uh, Jennifer? Paul Henderson. Who's he? My dad. Did you uh, think it was a pretty good game? Yes. What about you, Jill? Did you like the game? Yeah. Who scored the goal? My dad. Now, Hockey Canada <laughs> team is all finished for a while. Who are you going to cheer for now? Maple Leafs. 
Do you think they're going to win? They better. What about it? What do you think? I think they're going to win, too. And about <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, bring back some memories. They're all in their ball. 50s now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty cool moment, though. But, uh, I yeah, mean, back be. home. Back home in Canada, I mean, uh, th this was the story, and, and, and Paul Henderson's goal, and, and Paul Henderson's daughters got a chance to uh, tell their stories. But uh, you also did some commercial spots after becoming a household name in Canada, and here's one that definitely fit for you. Let's have a listen. Paul Henderson talks about helmets, the most controversial piece of your equipment. And after going through a lot, CCM is my choice. They take severe impact, they won't crack or shatter, they're cool to wear, and they're contoured to fit you. Don't take a chance with your helmet. Of course, Paul Henderson's doing helmet commercials. <laughs> Probably saved, might, might have saved your life in game five, right? You got it, you got it. What, what, uh, what are your biggest takeaways from your, from your trip to the Soviet Union uh, in 1972? What were the biggest takeaways for you? Well, it, it made me uh, very cognizant of the fact that we live in the greatest country in the world. I mean, the democracy we have, the freedom we have is, uh, unfortunately, we probably take it too much for uh, granted. But we got off the plane over there and we're driving into Moscow. And I, I never saw one house. It was at night. And you would see the light hanging down from the ceiling in these apartment buildings, just a, a bulb. And uh, it, it, I mean, they, they had nothing. And, and, and it was just, it was, and the, 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 the terrible part of part of us, the, the, the Russians have incredible museums. And we went to some wonderful ones on that. We pull up and there'd be a, 500 people in line. And the, and the army would go up, put with the rifles in front of the people in front, and they'd push them back, and they would let us go in. And, uh, I mean, we didn't even want to go in. We felt so bad, for, and nobody could say anything. If you ever said anything, you'd gone to, uh, you know, Siberia. And, I mean, there was hardly anything in the stores. The, the, the food was awful. And the reason they lost that, they became... The, uh, the the Russians became uh, uh, well. I just can't think of the word entrepreneurs, or whatever. Like we took beer over, we took food over there, and the Canadians were coming into our hotel and buying the the uh, the uh, the uh, the steaks and from the from the Russians, and they sold them. So, but when they stole their beer, Joel, that was when it was war. It was all over after. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. They stole beer. <laughs> and they had terrible beer too. Thank goodness we took some. Right, and there's uh, some people were selling nylons. I remember hearing about, oh. uh, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you were trading for them, but and the best thing, my wife is, she took a whole suitcase of uh, of food over there, peanut butter and jam and everything, and uh, people were coming around to our room trying to find food after a while because it was. And my wife grew up on the farm, and one morning, they served her rotten eggs. We know what a rotten egg looks like. Uh -huh. It was unbelievable. It was green, and they served it black. On, uh, it was just not good. 
Oh yeah, I've had a rotten egg before, Paul, and, and it's not it's not a fun situation at all. Uh, the uh, you know it, it, when you hear people complain about uh, the state of affairs in Canada these days, and you go back to you know when you think there's so many places in the world they're still going through what the Russians went through or with you know way back then, and it's it drives me crazy when I hear about people complaining about our you know our state of affairs here because we've got it's such an amazing country, don't you? Would you agree with that? Oh, for sure, for sure. After I come home, I said, if I ran a business and employed people, I would take them all over there and spend a week, and they would come back, and they would have a total, total different attitude. And, uh, and you know, I do a lot of speaking and I, over the years, and I, I tell people, about it, man, we, have, we are so fortunate to live in Canada. And that's why I enjoy every day. You know, you only have today, and the secret is just to enjoy it. And obviously, too, that when you can be a blessing to somebody else, when you can help somebody uh, out and make their life a little better, that's when you feel good about it. Yeah, it's great to score a goal, but I'll tell you what, when you can, when you can help somebody else, it doesn't matter, just a, even a, a smile, a word of encouragement, a hug. And this stuff that we're going through now, it's been very difficult. And Eleanor, my wife, she got COVID, and she's, she's three months. She's got this long COVID. And we get up every morning, and we'll, we'll take our problems. I mean, I hope. I mean, I mean, she'll get over this in, in, in eventually. But it's not been a, a great time. She's slept in the other bedroom because she does so much coughing and everything for three months. But when you look at that, we'll take. I'll take my problems every day of the world, and and just realize how fortunate we are. And so. But, you know, I'm 79 now, and so I've made enough mistakes in my life for a lifetime. And so I'm going to enjoy every day. Every day I wake up, okay, I've got another shot at it. And as long as I'm here, it's going to be a good one. You're looking fantastic, Paul. But I want to talk about, uh, you know, coming home. You, you, you end up playing seven, seven seasons with the Maple Leafs. You're listed as number 44 of the top 100 Leafs of all time when that was unveiled. Uh Played another couple of seasons after after that, but things got sour. Talk about what happened to the Maple Leafs, uh, you know, back in the seventies. Well, I, I just unfortunately, uh, well, here's the, here's a true story. Well, Ballard got a hold of the team, you know, and I mean, his, his ego got the best of him. And I remember the, the WHA had been coming after me for years, and wanted me to sign. And Johnny Bassett came to me after the, the, the series was over, and he said, I'm, I'm bringing the team uh, to Toronto, and I'd really like you to sign. And I said, well, you know, I haven't won the Stanley Cup, and I, I would like to, but and, – uh, and he said – so we talked for a while, and, and he said, listen, Frank Wahadlich is, is – I've already convinced Frank to come. Why don't you phone and ask Frank about it? So I did. I phoned Frank. And I said, you know, they've offered to double me, you know, they double my salary that I was making for the lease and a signing bonus. And uh, I said, you know what, Frank, I, I haven't won the Stanley Cup. And Frank Mahadley said to me, Paul, if you want to win the Stanley Cup, you better get out of Toronto. Because if they don't have it upstairs, they'll never get it on the ice. And as long as Harold Ballard's got this team, they will never win it. And that was the deciding factor. I said, well, it's probably right. And did the, is that prophetic or what? Frank Mahomet said that. 
If you don't have it upstairs, you'll never get it on the ice. And that's why I, and it was the best thing I ever did. We had just a wonderful time in the WHA. We went down to Birmingham. My family loved it. And so, but it's, you look back in your life and you say, the little things that people say to you, the advice, whatever it is. And, and uh, that was the best one I ever made. Got out of, <laughs> out of, away from Ballard. And then we you see with Key on it and Lanny McDonald and Daryl Sittler. And then it's tragic the way the guy handled people. And there's no need of that. Well, you know, uh, Frank Mahovlich is right absolutely on, on the money, and uh, he knew it, uh, and he convinced you, and it turned out to be a pretty good thing because, you know, you had some good years with the with the first the Toros and then the uh, the Bell, uh, Birmingham Bulls. Uh, what was the uh, – tell us about your experience playing with the Bulls, and here's some video of that way back when. Uh, you had 37 goals in the 77-78 season, made the playoffs. Was Birmingham a good hockey town? Oh, it was crazy. Well, we had, we, we had, well, we, contrast. One year we had the baby bulls. Remember they had Rob Ramage and Hart, Rick Vive. Yes. Uh, all these guys come and they were just, they, they're just getting 18, 19 year olds. And uh, if we could have ever kept them together, we would have had an incredible team. But of course, they were just learning how to play the game. And that was the experience. But one year, Glenn Sonmore was our coach. And we had five guys on that team. None of them played over 35 games. And they all had over 200 minutes of penalties. It was just bedlam out. I probably stopped 100 fights that year. It was, <laughs> it was nobody ever went near me. I, I just, I woke up, like, no one would even come near me because they knew I was. Five or six guys on there, they just hammer them. If you ever touch Henderson, you're in trouble. And so that's why I finally figured out why Gretzky loved it in, uh, yeah. in, in Edmonton. You know, if you touched him, you were in trouble. And so I had a great, I had a great time. <laughs> oh yeah, you have to answer to Dave Simeco or Marty McSorley. I mean, it's going to curb your appetite for fighting Gretzky. That's for yeah. sure. You got uh, it. You, you, uh, you, over the years, you've, you've, uh, you know, I know that your faith has played a big role in your career and, and in life, uh, after hockey and, um, uh, tell us about, uh, you know, your ministries and, and what you, what you've, uh, uh, done through them. Well, I had a guy after, uh, Mel Stevens, a teen ranch up here, uh, came to me and this is January of 73. And knocked on my door, never met him before. And he said, uh, you know, Paul, would you consider uh, uh, working in my hockey school? We went up near uh, Orangeville. And I said, yeah, I do that. What do you pay? And he said, well, we don't have any money to pay. We ask people to, uh, you know, donate their time. And I looked at him and you not know who <laughs> And then, Joe, this is ironic, too. He said to me, you know, Paul, I, I see you... Uh, interviewed on television. And I've done a little research on you. They tell me you got a great family and that. You're the toast of the country. But I see you interviewed. You always seem to have an edge to yourself. And he said, to me, you don't look like you're a very satisfied or very contented guy. And I looked at him and I, am I wearing a sign? No one had ever said that to me, but that's exactly what I was struggling with. Like as a kid growing up, Joe, it was after three things. I wanted to find a woman that I loved and have a good family. I grew up very poor, and I hated being poor. 
And I didn't want to be wealthy, but I wanted to have enough money that I didn't have to worry about it. And I could give the kids, my kids, what they wanted. And then I was hoping to have a career that I really loved doing. And so I'm the toast of Canada. I love playing hockey. I got the greatest woman in the world. In fact, I can tell you today, if I had a choice of all the women in the world, I could never have made a better choice. And, uh, and But I would say to Eleanor, there's something missing. I don't know what it is. So anyway, we get into a conversation. He said, Paul, you can learn to live lightly and freely, but you got to look at the spiritual side of the life. And I said, I'm not into spiritual stuff. I don't like politics. I don't like talking about politics or, or, or religion because all you get into arguments. And then and when he said, you can live lightly and freely, and he said, I'll, I'll meet with you if you want, and I'll explain. And I told him I tried to read the Bible. It didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And so he said, I'll get you a modern translation, and I'll help you. And, and Joe, for the next two years, I met almost weekly with Mel Stevens. And I started, when you start out as a cynic, it takes you a long time. But finally he said to me, Paul, you got to just think about, is Jesus who he says he is or not? And so I probably spent six months just on, is he, is he real? Is he not? And so actually March 12th of 1975, I said a prayer and asked the Lord to be my Lord and Savior and uh, come into my life and change me from the inside out. And I want to have the peace that Mel's got in his, inside of his life. And Joe, I said at that time, don't you ever expel, expect me to tell any about this. I'm going to be a secret service person. <laughs> and look, the only guy who knew that I was looking at this was Ronnie Ellis. He was my best friend. And we would go on the road, Joe, and I would take a Bible and I would put it inside a Playboy and I would lean against the window and everybody <laughs> thought that I was reading a Playboy when actually I was reading the Bible. <laughs> and that's how fearful I was. I'm knowing anybody, and I, and it, it, it actually took me about three or four days to even tell my wife that I decided to become a Christian, and then I finally told Mel, and then, uh, and then you know after I retired, well we went to Birmingham, and I got a wonderful, uh, got a mentor down there, and he really changed my life. We met in, uh, we met, we used to meet Monday mornings for an hour and a half. There was a. Uh, I, in fact, I was the oldest guy. I was 32, 33 at the time. And, and this guy changed my life and showed what it was to live with faith and honesty in your life and that kind of stuff. And then he came, my pastor and him came to me after three years and said, listen, we got some new guys. We'd like you to lead a group. I can't lead a group. I've only been a Christian for three years. Anyway, they had more confidence in me than I had. And so I did it. And the guys loved it. We got along and they, you know, and so when I retired, I felt that God was saying to me, come back to Canada and uh, reach out to the guys that are, you know, are successful, uh, but don't have a spiritual side of their life. And, you know, their fears and everything like that. So in 85, I, I started with three men downtown Toronto. And after a while, we let's have a breakfast. Have you got some guys that are friends of yours that are out to lunch? Come here and I'll share what we're doing and you can tell why you come. And so I started off with one group, got two groups. And when I got cancer, I had 80 some groups going. And now today uh, we are in, it's called Leader Impact. We are in uh, 77 countries and we are 90, uh, 921 cities where we got men's groups now, women's groups, and even uh, uh, mixed groups. Because there's a lot of women now who are CEOs and that kind of stuff, and they want to be around peer groups. And so 
It's just the mushroom like crazy. And so, and I'll never retire. I, like, I just have too much fun and do a lot of, you know, I still do a, well, most of everything's on Zoom now. Actually, the best thing ever happened to us was these Zooms now because my men's group, I always had a men's group. This year, I had two guys in Florida. I had one guy up in Manitoulin Island. And you can be anywhere. You get up and you put a shirt on and you're sitting here in your underwear and you don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's worked out really well for this you know you you talk about uh you know being that guy who didn't want anybody to know and i got I, I i can relate to that you know when i when i first got sober i didn't want anybody to know about that either because oh well but it's uh you know the uh you know the fact that you know 77 countries thousands and thousands of people all over the world started out from this guy who was don't, didn't want one person to know. Don't tell anybody. I can't even tell my wife that I'm doing this, right? That's, that's a long way. You come a long way, baby. Uh, so um, you talked about your cancer. You talked to had health scares, you know, the uh, heart valve blockage, uh, leukemia, cancer. Like, what got you through that? Like, how did you get through that? Because look at you. You look fantastic. Well, well it's, uh, you know, the interesting thing, when you're not afraid of dying, like, I, I have no fear of dying because I know where I'm going. That's what I, I believe. That's why I hope in that. Uh, but it's is, is, is my faith. And other people modeled it for me also. But, I, I and, and, you know, the Bible, in fact, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. And so he doesn't promise us a wrinkle-free life. That's for sure. And you, and you know that. But anyway, I, I got, well, I have leukemia and I have a, a lymphoma. And I had lost 30 pounds. And I was diagnosed in 09, and they told me that I could have five years. And so my dad died of a heart attack at 48, my sister at 49. And so I'm 66 at that time. I made to 71. That's a pretty good life. And so anyway, the journey starts. And uh, in, uh, by 12, 19, uh, uh, 12, three years later, I'd, I'd lost 30 pounds. And I was really in bad shape. In fact, one of my buddies at Mississauga, I played golf with him, and he went home and told his wife, he said, I think I played the last game with Henny. I think he is just, uh, he's got that cancer look to him, and I don't think he's going to, I don't know whether he'll ever play a game. And then I got into this uh, clinical trial down in Bethesda, Maryland, and uh, that changed my life. I got into it and uh, had some side effects, but this drug, evened it out and i had a lot of side effects but uh, since then they've got some new drugs that have come out and i'm on a new one now and uh i don't have near the side effects and so uh, at this time i still have cancer but it's holding it at bay and so i'm 79 i'm going to be 80 here in a few couple of months and so uh i'm just so thankful each and every day and i i start every day i'm ashamed of it i you know i ask for help Lord, help me be the husband you want me to be, the father, now the grandfather. And um, I spend time in, in the Bible every day, and I pray for a whole raft of people. And you know the neat thing, Joe, is some of my best friends are guys that have come to faith, uh, you know, through the ministry and that kind of stuff. So I'm not hard done by I In fact, Joe, I could tell you, I wouldn't change places with anybody in the world today. I don't want to be a day older. I don't want to be a day less. And I can't think of anybody. Is more fortunate than I am. Not a person. 
Well, you, you have tremendous inspiration, and you never know who you're going to help. And I, I, I can tell you right now, your our producer Vic is going to be very helped uh, by very much helped by what you just uh, told us about. Um, so uh, now, Paul, you've written three books: uh, "Shooting for Glory," uh, autobiography with Jim Prime, co-authored the 2011 book "How Hockey Explains Canada: An Exploration of the Relationship Between the Sport and Canadian Culture," and most recently, the memoir. Uh, the Goal of My Life with Roger Lejoie. Uh, any more books on the horizon? No, I've had enough of that. <laughs> I'm ready to, I'm ready to yeah. sit back and enjoy it. Yeah, but and then this last book, uh, The Goal of My Life, I'm re really, really proud of that. I spent a lot of time in it with myself, uh, rewriting things and everything like that, and it explains it's my whole life. And uh, so, uh, neat thing, yeah. Very, very thankful, but there's no more books. I'll tell you that. Okay. Uh, so you've received the Order of Canada, Order of Ontario, inducted in every Hall of Fame imaginable, the IIHF, uh, except the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, does that bother you? Not one iota. In fact, well, people come up to me all the time and they say, change the name of the bloody place. They says you're more famous than most of the guys in there. But, you know, and I say this honestly, like, I, they have got a committee, they got a selection committee, and they look at this kind of stuff. And, and so I got no problem because I, there's a lot of players that have a lot better careers than me and they're not in the Hall of Fame. And so it doesn't bother me one iota. Like you say, I've got everything in the world. And I tell people all that the worst thing that could happen to me put me in the Hall of Fame. And then nobody would be ticked up. Everybody would forget about me. But I, even the other day, it's a joke you're not in the Hall of Fame. And so, you know, if they ever put me in, that would all go away. So I'm a lot better on the outside than I am on the inside. Well, I'll tell you right now, uh, you know, the way you've, you've the people you've uh, had a chance to affect in so many ways, uh, not just with the 70 two series and scoring the game winning goal in game six, the game winning goal in game seven, the clinching goal in game eight, all that stuff, the men, the people you've, you know, ministered to and affected and touched throughout the world. Uh, to me, it's like, uh, that's, that's hall of fame material. Anyway, you look at it and somebody had suggested too that perhaps Paul goes in as a builder. Well, no question. Absolutely. No question. Nobody has affected, uh, the game in this country uh, or aspects of it than you have hands down. And, and it's like, uh, to me, it's, it, it is it, it a travesty in, in that manner. Let's put it that way. Well, everybody's got their opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, Paul, Hall of Fame or not, uh, you know, uh, you have made a great, great contribution to the game of hockey. You've made a great, great contribution to this country. Um, and that's not lost on most Canadians and certainly not with us. I want to, I want to thank you for, uh, for taking the time to join us. Uh, any, any big plans for the 50th anniversary, uh, celebration? Well, we, the, we had a lot of plans to start with, but the, the, you know, the war in Russia come along and then obviously the election. And so it's, it's really, we don't know. Uh, uh we've got a committee, there's five on the committee and, uh, we were hoping to have an event in the the four cities that we played in, but that's gone out, and and now uh, we just really don't know. But we're really up in the air. They 
I hear the mint is, uh, I think this is official and not exactly sure, but they're bringing out a coin and this, the, uh, going to bring out a stamp to commemorate. But, uh, I don't, and we've lost 10 guys now. There's 10 guys that have died mm -hmm. off the team and not in great health. So uh, trying to get this together is like herding cats too. So I think right. it's probably good. If there's anything done, it's probably going to be done on zoom, just like this. I would think at this point, because there's nothing definite. Well, hopefully something is done because uh, maybe somebody can pick up the ball and run with this one. But uh, anyway, Thank you so much for taking the time to join us, Paul. It's been an absolute pleasure. I, I really enjoyed this. Okay. Well, I, I'll get out of my underwear now that we're off the air. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now I can't get that vision out of my head now. Or are you reading a Playboy magazine with the Bible in it? That's, that's, uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Paul, thank you so much. All right. We'll have more sports when we come back. More Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show coming up after the break. Sports Guests on Joe Tilly Sports receive a gift certificate from Classica Imports. Top of the line imported men's clothing. Check out the Classica Essential Collection now. Go to shopclassica.com. Addiction Rehab Toronto, Toronto's number one alcohol and drug treatment center, saving lives, reuniting families. The only treatment center in the province to offer medical detox, treatment, sober living, and lifetime aftercare all in one place. Our unique and specialized programs are designed to equip our clients with the tools to successfully lead a life of dignity, respect, and purpose. Let us help save your life or your loved one's life Call today for more information or to facilitate an intervention. 1-855-787-2424 or visit addictionrehabtoronto.ca. Joe Tilly Sports is brought to you by COSA, Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, providing a united voice for harness horse people racing at Ontario tracks. Check out your benefits today at COSAonline.com and check out COSA TV on Facebook and YouTube for all the latest harness news and live action updates. Live racing year-round. Go to HPIBet.com for all your wagering options. Become a member today and your first bet is free. That's HPIBet.com. Do you know why that happened? You didn't fix your ball mark. The birds around here are very protective of the course, and when people don't take care of it, this is what happens. It's pretty simple. Just find your mark, fix it, and at least one other. Hey, look at the bright side. We're not up on the northern course. They've got bears and moose. Visit moregolf.ca today. You'll find everything a golfer could need from balls, gloves, and clubs to custom fitting opportunities and training gear. Go to moregolf.ca and get $20 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Just enter the promo code JTSports. 
Okay, my closest Swiss pick of the week. Last week, I went to Mohawk for Tuesday night's third leg of the Ontario Sire Stakes Grassroots Series for two-year-old trotting Colts and Geldings. I took the number two horse, Tuscan Prince, who went off at three to one. Bob McClure in the buggy, took the lead at the half, never looked back. Luke Blay, the trainer, the favorite hasty bid, rallied for second. Floyd the Freak was third. That means I also hit the exact and trifecta. Getting that bankroll back up there. This week, I'm looking at Tuesday night's eighth race of Mohawk, fourth leg of the Grassroots Series for two-year-old trotting Colts and Geldings. I like the number three, Take On Me, with Louis-Philippe Wad driving. He was particularly impressive last time out. I also like that 358 Exacta and Triactor box. For all the racing updates, visit Costa TV on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Go to hpibet.com for your wagering options. This is the Excellent Sports Adventure, brought to you by Lycom. Well, they hadn't lost a series since John Schneider took over as manager, thanks to a wild win over the Twins at Target Field. And Whit Merrifield, who was getting jabbed for the cause, was out at the plate on a sack fly hit by Kevin Biggio in the 10th. But wait a minute, after further review... He was safe. Gary Sanchez illegally blocked the plate. The Jays win. The Jays win. They get a split with the Twinkies. Tim Meza is out with a separated shoulder. George Springer is out with elbow inflammation. But the Jays are still in pretty good shape. Kevin Gossman is the American League's player of the week. 14 innings over two starts with 15 strikeouts and no runs. Just one walk. But you say Kikuchi's struggles continue. Well, the Argos managed to solidify their hold on top spot in the CFL East thanks to a big come-from-behind win against their old pals from Hamilton. Ticats had a 13-3 lead at the break, but McLeod Bethel-Thompson slips away from the tackle. He's going to find Ken Phillips for the touchdown. MBT completed 17 of 27 passes for 230 yards and a big night for the special teams group. Ticats' punt is blocked by Trevor Hoyt, scooped up by Benoit Marion, who takes it in for the go-ahead score. Our girls roll 34-20. They're 4-3. and three. Hamilton falls to 2-5. and five. Another stunning performance by Nathan Rourke and his BC Lions. Got some new weapons back. Home to the Elks. Rourke, who was born in Victoria but grew up in Oakville. It's Dominic Rimes, who goes way up to bring it down. Rimes, third touchdown catch of the half. Rourke was just getting warmed up. Looks deep downfield for Lucky Whitehead behind the coverage. This play covered 70 yards. He was good on 34 of 37 passes for 477 yards. That's a record for a Canadian quarterback. Five touchdowns. The Lions humbled Edmonton 46-14. They're 6-1. and one. Well, with the right pieces, things can change in a hurry. Just ask Toronto FC. They have pulled within four points of a playoff spot. Jonathan Osorio scored twice, and the Italian connection both hit the sheet. Federico Bernadeschi and Lorenzo Insigne gave the Reds a 4-3 win over Nashville. First road win in over a year. They're home to Portland on Saturday. Layla Fernandez has rolled in a round two at the National Bank Canadian Open Tennis Tournament at York University. A tough three sets victory over Storm Sanders of Australia. Layla's first match since recovering from a foot injury, and she really had to work for it. 
It's final four weekend in the Canadian Elite Basketball League. The Scarborough Shooting Stars booked their ticket with a 108-96 win over the Saskatchewan Rattlers. Cassius Robertson and Jalen Harris each had 24 points. They'll now face the Niagara River Lions in the semifinals. The Lions handled the Guelph Nighthawks 99-78. E.J. Onu led the way with 28 points. The league-leading Hamilton Honey Badgers will face the Ottawa Blackjacks in the other semi. The semis are Friday. The final goes Sunday. A clash of Canadian super lightweights in Cornwall this past weekend. Local fighter Tony Luis squared off against Calgary Steve Claggett. This was a long time coming. A terrific scrap. Claggett scored the seventh round TKO victory, his third straight win. He is now 32-7-2. Another top 10 finish for Brooke Henderson at a major tied seven at the Women's British Open. Now here's our shot of the week, courtesy our old pal Rod Black. God damn it. Four. Today's environmental tip, keep your drinks in reusable containers. Instead of buying individually packaged drinks, consider buying a bulk container for your favorite beverage and buy a reusable bottle. Not only will this help the environment, but it will also help you save money. RICOM, passionate people who turn complicated business problems into simplified technology solutions for public and private sector real estate, properties, portfolios, and enterprise customers. Optimize and future-proof smart buildings from the ground up. The latest in fault locating, base building network design, managed services, cybersecurity, data analytics. Our fault detection will support all smart strategies, define projected outcomes for capital planning, and reduce environmental impact. RICOM, smart protection solutions, at RICOM, we're building a path to a smart and environmentally friendly future. And we want to thank all the folks who make this show possible. These are friends, trusted business associates, and all-around great folks. We highly recommend them all. A reminder that the show is available on iTunes, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, as well as the Spanglish Network and Zingo TV and Buzz TV Live. Also, you should really check out our YouTube channel. There are past shows available, weekly sportscasts, all kinds of cool segments. Like and subscribe. You know, it's free. Thank you once again to Paul Henderson for being on the show. It was an absolute pleasure. We want to thank you for watching. And we'll see you next week when Sandy Hawley and Don Lupo drop by for a Queen's Plate preview. We'll see you then. Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show is brought to you by Brian Gribben Insurance Planning. Helping you solidify your financial future. At BGIP, what we do that's unique in the marketplace is we show people how to spend and enjoy their money in their early years of retirement without the fear of running out. Also, we're able to do this without you having to change financial advisors. Please look us up at bgip.ca today. Let's book a 30-minute phone call to see how we can bring value to you and your family in your planning. Call Brian today for all your retirement needs. We did. 905-686-5678. Do you want to buy or sell a home? Could 31 years of real estate experience help you? Why not speak to an amazing team that loves to over-promise and over-deliver? 
Aldo has a tremendous team of experts on staff. They are committed to making your next real estate transaction smooth and comfortable. Call 416-GET-ALDO or visit getaldo.com. MNP, a leading Canadian national accounting, tax, and business accounting firm. MNP proudly serves and responds to the need of their clients in the private, public, and nonprofit sectors. Through partner-led engagements, MNP provides a collaborative, cost-effective approach to do business and personal strategies to help people and organizations to succeed across the country and around the world. With local offices in Oshawa, Mississauga, Burlington, and more, their team is here to support you. Visit mnp.ca today to learn more. Hi, I'm Joe Tilly. This November, join me and my wife, Penny Claire, for a trip of a lifetime. Two weeks in Egypt and Jordan. Imagine yourself riding a camel beside the Great Pyramids, cruising the Nile River, viewing the temples at Abu Simbel, exploring the desert at Wadi Rum, visiting the ancient city of Petra, and swimming in the world-renowned Dead Sea. Only $41.99 all-inclusive, with direct flight from Toronto, free upgrade to five-star hotels, and the cruise. Visit tripopo.com and book today to get an extra $100 room bonus credit. Let's travel. The UPS store in Brooklyn wants to help your small business thrive. We offer shipping and more like our pack and ship guarantee. Plus we offer graphic design services, fast digital printing, secure document shredding, and mailboxes with a real address. Visit 31 Baldwin Street in Brooklyn, Ontario. Say you saw this on Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show and we'll tell you how to save 10% every day. 